This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. The Pitch Buzz with Dad and Dawn. Good morning, everyone. I'm pleased to be able to welcome you to the Pest Buzz radio show. My name's Gary, and I'm with my talented daughter, Dawn, and we're thrilled to be back to talk about pest management here right in Christchurch. Oh, that's right. We're here to help everyone tackle those pest problems head on, quickly and economically. And if you're looking to handle it yourself or curious about hiring a professional, we can cover it. Yes, our goal is to make this show informative, but also entertaining and hopefully engaging. And uh, we're going to talk about some of our experiences and share what we've learnt and have a laugh from our last 20 years in the pest management industry. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to some of your stories, Dad. You know, the more we share, the more we learn. So today's focus is going to be rodent management, which is a seasonal thing. And we'll walk everyone through the process of identifying if you've got these furry little troublemakers around your home and what steps you can take to inspect your property and the different control options that are available. It's important to know actually what you're dealing with. Most people don't distinct make a distinction between rats and mice, but it's important to know what you have before you actually start the treatment. So we'll look at some of the behaviours, the preferences, and again, an understanding of what uh, an effective program would be for rats or mice. Oh, absolutely. And we won't just tell everyone about it, will we? We'll share some practical tips and techniques that we use every day. And um, if you miss anything, then you can just look us up on the Plains FM website, the Pest Buzz radio show. Excellent. Well, did you know, Dawn, that rodents make up 43% of all mammals on the planet? I did. And they're not only incredibly abundant, but they're also remarkably successful in adapting to the various environments around the world, which is probably contributing to that number. Yeah, we may not be aware, but that the capybara in uh, South America is actually a rodent, and it's huge. It's almost the size of a, a sheep. So they manage to adapt to all different sizes and different diverse habitats and rural landscapes. You know, they're really amazing. And I think, for me, it's super important that we recognise and respect rodents for their complexity and fascinating behaviours. They have a huge range of social structures, communication methods and problem-solving abilities. You've probably all seen a programme where they have a rat running through a maze, figuring out all sorts of puzzles, learning all sorts of tricks for some food rewards. So they're quite intelligent and they have amazing cognitive abilities and even display empathy, would you believe? I know, it's amazing. In fact, if you Google rodents, There is so much research on them for months and months of reading. You know, and don't forget about their remarkable reproductive capabilities either. They have adapted strategies to ensure their survival. So they breed rapidly. They have short gestation periods. And so it's no wonder they're so successful. So next time you see a rat or a mouse in your house, I know you're going to freak out. Everybody does. Take a moment to think about how wonderful these animals are. They're just so good at adapting to their environment and living in your place mostly without you even knowing they're there. I know. If we can understand that, 
and understand the, the ecological role that they have in our environment, then you know perhaps we can coexist harmoniously with them. So let's start talking about how we determine whether you have a rat or a mouse infestation in your home. You're going to be looking for certain signs. For example, droppings. It's probably the, the first thing you'll see is droppings, probably. Yeah. And the gnaw marks, so where they've been chewing. Also noises. Sometimes that also is the first thing you hear is some scratching noises in your ceiling. So we're going to look at these indicators and give you some ideas of what to keep an eye out for. Great. We'll also debunk some common myths and misconceptions about rodents and give you a clearer understanding of their behaviour and habitat preferences. So let's talk about rodent droppings. Actually, droppings are very important because they help you identify what type of rodent you have. So they might seem similar at first glance, but there are some distinct differences that you should know about. Yeah. A rat dropping, for example, measures about one half a centimetre to a centimetre long, depending mm. on the type of rat. Usually have blunt ends. On the other hand, a, a mouse has a much smaller dropping, about five millimetres long, with pointed wee ends. It look like little black grains of rice. Oh, yeah, they do too. Yeah, yeah. And if we can identify the size and shape of the droppings, then they are very important clues about the species you might be dealing with. Yes, for example, if you find droppings in the garage or under the sink or in the ceiling and sheds, it's often where rats would tend to leave their droppings. You can find mice droppings in the same areas as well, but if you've got rats and mice, rats will tend to bully the mice out so they don't compete with their food sources and living areas. And when you find these droppings, that's going to give you clues of where to place the treatments that we're going to talk about later. So by doing a thorough investigation, you can then develop an effective strategy to control the rats or the mice in your house. That's right. It's not hard to do. Everyone can do it if they have the skills and the knowledge. Another fascinating thing about droppings, because <laughs> droppings are fascinating, did you know that those horrible droppings you know, that we hate actually carry important messages for the rodents? Exactly. So they contain chemical substances that serve as a form of communication among the different societies. Yes, not just their droppings, but also the urine. Yeah. So the, all those ghastly smells and unsightly droppings are very important to the rats and mice. They tell where the food is, who's been here, are they ready for breeding or not, are they a dominant male, should I stay away from this area? All those messages are in the droppings in urine. Exactly. When a, food, when a rat discovers a new food source, it'll leave behind droppings in urine that contain messages indicating its location and the desirability of the food. Yeah, so a dominant male rat, when he leaves his droppings, is basically saying, hey, hey ladies, here I am, I'm ready for action. Exactly. <laughs> it helps to establish their social hierarchies as well and facilitate their uh, interactions and their behaviours between each other. Yeah, so, so when we see these things, I know we're going to feel, oh, that's disgusting, and of course it is unsightly and unsanitary, but think about it for a moment. This is important stuff for the rats and mice. They're talking to each other via this, this waste. That's right. They might be small, but they hold valuable information. And understanding the role of these chemical substances can give us a deeper appreciation for their social structures and behaviours. But also, it highlights the importance of cleaning and sanitising those areas so we can disrupt those scent trails. 
So now we understand the importance of these things and looking for them and where we can find them. We can use this because it's crucial to our pest management issues. Let's talk about some of the myths about mice and rats. One of the most common myths is that mice and rats chew everything because they have to keep their teeth worn down. But the truth is a bit different. Well, it's true rat rodents like rats and mice constantly gnaw on objects. Their primary motivation isn't to keep their teeth down. Yes, they're gnawing. They, it serves as dental maintenance, for sure, because their teeth do continuously grow. You know, they gnaw to test objects and determine whether or not it's food. So the sharp incisors allow them to explore and evaluate their surroundings as well through the gnawing. And so the gnawing also sharpens them, as you mentioned, because they are sharp and they need them to be sharp because they, they chew through things. I've even seen a, a rat chew through a concrete vent. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. I've got a photo of it, a little round hole in a concrete vent. So it's important they're in prime condition because they need them. So how do they prevent their teeth from overgrowing then? Well, obviously gnawing does work to wear them down, but they actually grind their teeth. Like we grind them in our sleep. Yeah, that's right. So they grind them down, just like we would do if we were stressed or something like that. We'd be grinding our teeth, and they wear them down. That's how they keep the teeth to the right length. So next time we see a rat gnawing away at something, remember that it serves more than just keeping their teeth down. It's an essential part of their natural behaviours and dental care. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? Mm, it what is. they have to do to keep their teeth in great condition. Okay, so that's one of the myths that we uh, have debunked. Let's talk about the inspection process. Okay. So you suspect you have rodents. You maybe have heard some noises or seen some signs. We're going to talk about how to go through this inspection process, highlighting certain areas like what to look for and where to look for it. It's like being a detective in your own home. Absolutely. All right. We'll cover topics like entry points, nesting areas, potential attractants that might be luring the rodents into your space. And if we can understand those points, we can fortify the house and minimise their presence inside. You're always going to have rodents on the outside of the house. But it's crucial to understand how rodents gain access and what factors make those spaces attractive to them in the first place. Yes, rats and mice are masters at finding a small hole to get into your house. And you may not even know there's a hole there. It might not be visible. Or if they get on your roof, they can get in through the corrugated iron. They are masters at finding gaps around utility pipes, openings in foundation walls, etc. It's so important to thoroughly inspect your home and seal any potential entry points to keep the rodents out. Yes, if you look around your, say, your plumbing fittings, your waste pipes, your uh, air conditioning ducting, any trees growing close to the house, these are all points of access for a rat or a mouse. And don't forget the common entry point through vents, like air vents, dry vents, spaces on top of the guttering, chimneys. These can provide open invitation for rodents. So if we can properly screen or exclude those points from entry, then you can help keep them out. Gutter guard's a good one. Yes, it's a very good product. So look at your foundations, see if there's any cracks Say there's some air vents missing, seal it up. You seal these areas up, you'll stop them getting in. You'll need to use something with metal in it so they can't just chew through it. For example, you can't just 
put some expandable foam in the gap, they'll just chew straight through that like butter. Yeah, they will. Goldilocks is a good one. You can find that in in your home and yep. get it cheap from the supermarket as well. Don't forget it, windows and doors. There are often gaps at the bottom of doors, quite large gaps as well. Framings, uh, damaged weather stripping, and rodents will exploit these weak points to gain entry. Regular inspection is very good. I mean, at least once a year. Correct. So they're looking to get to something warm and cosy and safe, where, where you aren't. Rodents like to be where you are not. That's why they come out at night. So watch out for foliage growing too close to your house. We're all guilty of it. We plant a shrub. It's, it's small, but you know, 10 years later, it's growing right up against the house, up against the guttering. What we've done now is provided a little rodent highway to our roof, and they get in there, lovely and cosy and warm, and you're giving them a place to hide. Yeah, that's a good point. Also, regular decluttering and organising these areas can make them less appealing to rodents as well. Yes, because these are cosy spots and they're looking for that. They want to build a nest, they want to be somewhere where they're safe. So this includes things like attics, your ceiling cavity, or your basement, or your crawl spaces. Keep these areas clutter-free if you can, because clutter provides harbourage where they can live. Heat's also an attractant to rodents. So all the little gaps that we have around our homes, it's all releasing heat, and rodents can actually pick up on that, especially during the winter, and especially mice, because mice can't regulate their temperature very well. So if it's winter and it's cold, they need to find warmth, otherwise they'll die. So other attractants. Rodents are interested in sex, reproduction, food, and water and somewhere to live. That's, that's all they live for, those things. So we have to remove those attractants where possible. So, for example, food. Clean up any spills, spilled food. Don't leave pet food out. Make sure your garbage cans are sealed. Make sure your food is sealed. If you have rodents in your house, seal all your food up and clean up any spills because these are attractants for the mice or rats. If you're not living close to rivers and creeks, it's also good to look around for water sources, especially for rats. Mice can actually get moisture and water enough from their food. But rats actually do need water on a daily basis. So check for that, check for leaking taps, etc. Fix them all up and you'll pick those up on your annual inspections. So we learned that sanitation and proper storage practices, minimising attractants, will deter rodents from entering your house. So remember, eliminate those entry points, get rid of the entry points, eliminate clutter, remove attractants, and this will go a long way to keeping your house rodent-free. Absolutely. Let's create an environment that's less appealing to these unwanted pests. So now we know we've got some unwanted visitors in your house, we see the signs, we've got ideas of where they're getting in, we now need to look at the different control methods. We're going to look at two things, DIY, so do-it-yourself control, and professional services. We're going to look at the pros and cons of each of these. Let's share effective do-it-yourself techniques, like you said, such as trapping, exclusion methods, as well as the safe use of rodenticides. And let's provide insights into when it's best to consult a professional and the benefits they bring to the table. Yes, and don't forget the pros and cons. We want to see doing it, doing it yourself has some advantages 
and a pest management technician has advantages. You know, lots of us choose to tackle these rodent problems ourselves, especially when we first discover that we've got them in the house. And this will often involve setting traps, it's quite cheap, using baits, or applying rodenticides that are readily available in the stores, like Countdown, Mitre 10, Bunnings. They all carry a good supply of rodenticides. Correct. And the DIY management is, 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 is cheaper. And you can do it straight away. So, you know, you're freaking out, you see the rodents, you see the activity, you identified it as a rat, you want to take action. So this gives you control over the situation. It does. It is also very important to consider the limitations of the DIY, especially since rats are really intelligent creatures. They quickly can adapt to traps and baits and can be quite fussy about the types of lures you use on the traps. So DIY is very effective for small scale, but larger or persistent rodent problems might require a professional. Yes, that's where a professional's experience will come in. They see things that you will not see, and they know things that you don't know. So their knowledge, their experience, and their equipment, they have different equipment, and they know how to use it effectively to deal with rodents. And because we do these inspections on a daily basis, I mean, our guys probably do between five to ten rodent services a day. You get your eye in, and you just know what you're looking for. They can implement preventative measures as well to keep rodents from returning. In comparison to DIY, though, of course, the uh, professional is going to be more expensive, especially if you take in consideration there might be recurring visits needed. That's an important point, Dad, because um, ultimately the decision between DIY and professional rodent management depends on the severity and the complexity of the infestation. If you're doing DIY and you can't get on top of it and it's taking months and months and you're still getting activity, it's probably best to give somebody a call. Now, if you give somebody a call, they can give you a few tips that you can take away and put into your DIY system and it might work, but generally you'll need someone to come and do something for you. That's correct, because a lot of our customers are people who have tried it themselves first. That's right. And we don't mind giving advice and help on how to do that and helping them out. But it does take sometimes a professional eye, especially at places like holiday homes, you know, mm. places that are vacant, mm. commercial properties. I wouldn't recommend DIY for those areas. No, I wouldn't either. Control methods. Let's look at some of the control methods that are available. There's, of course, live trapping, kill trapping, and, of course, poison baiting is probably the most common. You know, when it comes to rodent management, live trapping is often seen as a humane option. It involves using traps designed to capture rodents alive and then allowing them to be released elsewhere, which doesn't really fit into our predator-free 2050 <laughs> no, it doesn't. project. But sometimes clients don't want them to be killed. It's true. It's a bit of a dichotomy, isn't it? You you have rodents, you capture it. You let it go, and if you haven't done your job properly, it's just going to come straight back in. Exactly. (laughs) It's not going to work. But we understand that some people do not want to kill them. It's their preferred choice. There could be even religious reasons for doing that as well. So you have to find a compromise to get those rodents out of the house. That's the main goal, isn't it, get them out of the house? It is. You know, and some people have enormous compassion for animals, and they just don't want to kill them or feel like they're hurting them in any way. 
But it is important to note that live trapping may not always be pr a practical option because it requires constant monitoring legally and the careful release of captured rodents to prevent them from returning. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. Now let's talk about kill trapping. All right. This is your old-fashioned mouse trap or rat trap. You've, you've probably seen them in your, in your life, little wooden traps, snap traps <laughs> that you get your fingers. I, mean, I, I, I hate them. still hate picking up a <laughs> snap trap, them. you know. Every time I look at a snap trap to pick it up, I think, is it set? Is that, is that set or not set? And because uh, I don't want to get my fingers snapped in the trap. So they're designed to kill, and they're designed to kill instantly. And if done correctly, they will. So you have your wooden snap trap, you have plastic ones, uh, more modern versions of a rat trap is the T-Rex trap. You have self-resetting kill traps that are very good, yeah. like the good nature trap, and yeah. it, it just will kill it instantly and then drop, and then it'll be reset for the next kill. Yeah, really good for the urban environments. Yeah. You know, kill trapping is really effective. It can quickly remove one-off or very small rodent populations, and it doesn't rely on the use of chemical baits, which these days seems to be a preference among our, our clients, especially those clients with pets. True. But be aware, though, if you are going to use kill traps, it's going to be, require frequent monitoring and setting and resetting and also a method in doing it. Then when you have a rat in the trap or a mouse, you're going to have to take that out of there and dispose of it. And, yeah. you know, and it's never pleasant to no, do that. It yeah. But it's crucial also to follow the safety guidelines. You don't want to, some of those rat traps could break your fingers. Yeah. yeah, yeah, good ones too. You know, it's important to know how to set up a trapping system in the house as well. Yes, it is. So the method we'd recommend is to keep the trap unset for five days. So you set all your traps up with their favourite food in it, Keep an eye on what they have been eating. Bait the trap with that food. Leave them unset around in the areas you found the droppings and so that they get used to it. You're actually training the rodents to go to the trap to eat their favourite food and they feel safe and comfortable with the trap because it's providing them with food. Yeah. And once you've trained it, you're essentially rewarding it for doing what you need it to do, which is coming to the traps. And this method is guaranteed. Where did we learn that method? I learned it. I learned it from Cam Speedy, who's a wildlife ecologist. He taught me that, and we really ought to talk about him on another show, I think. The most common control method would be poison baiting. It's super convenient. It's so easy. It's hands-off. You don't have to do anything or deal with anything. Just bait, and they go, the rodents will go away and die. But if you use rodenticides, make sure... You follow the, the safety precautions. You need to minimise the risks to humans and pets and non-target animals. That's absolutely critical. Poison baiting requires ongoing monitoring. It may not be suitable for all homes, especially with children or pets, due to those potential hazards. You know, rodenticides come in different formulations. So there's block, pellet, liquid. We don't use much liquid bait anymore, but the typical formulation is a hard block, soft bait and pellet. Yes, and you have first generation and second generation. So first generation is uh, slow acting and they need more of it. Second generation, a, a smaller dose. And so depending on what the infestation is like, that will dictate what you use. And also there are legal requirements. You can't use second generation just in the wild or away from buildings, for example. So you need to know a lot about these things. You can't just willy-nilly place poison everywhere. No, you're right. And 
talking about placing poison, it's really important to focus on the areas where rodents are active or where you see signs of their presence. So remember when we were talking about those fascinating droppings? Mm. If you see droppings somewhere, this would be a great area to put bait uh, inside a bait station. Other areas would be the entry points we talked about, nesting sites along walls, the crawl spaces in the roof void under the house and in secluded corners. Yeah, this will increase the chances that your rodent program will work and work quickly. You know, they do have great noses, so they will sniff it out, but it's vital to emphasise the point, importance of securing bait in bait stations. They're specifically designed tamper-proof containers that hold the rodenticide securely, preventing access by children, pets and non-target animals. Yeah. When considering poison baiting, as part of an integrated rodent management plan, it's important to choose the appropriate rodenticide formulation, target those active areas, use the bait stations for safety, and if you follow these guidelines, you'll effectively control rodent populations and at the same time minimise the risk. Have you got creepy crawly scurrying through your house? Or is your problem a bit bigger? Well, we can help. Being Canterbury owned and operated for 10 years means we've learnt a thing or two about our local invaders. We use non-toxic chemicals to provide a healthy environment for you and your family while evicting those nasties. And satisfaction is guaranteed, so eliminate the problem quickly and safely. For a full range of services, visit our website, elitepestcontrol.co.nz. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of The Pest Buzz. we really like to thank you for listening and uh, your engagement and your involvement means a lot to us. Yeah, thanks for tuning in, being part of our show. We hope you found the information on rodent management helpful and insightful. Yes, yeah, so remember, implement these effective measures. You'll control your rodents and make your home a more enjoyable living space. Yeah, absolutely, Dad. Look, if you've got any questions or suggestions or topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes, please reach out. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll be back with more episodes each month and we'll be talking about other urban pest problems and introducing to local pest heroes in our area and some of our staff. In the meantime, stay vigilant, keep informed and be pest free. Take care and we'll catch you next time on The Pest Buzz. The Pest Buzz. Every second Friday of the month at 9.30am on Plains FM 89.9.